this investigating is making me hungry. <laughs> the most legendary crime fighter. Batman, what are you doing here? Will meet his match. Trap now! In a mystery solving mutt. Nothing scarier than puppets. <laughs> Congratulations, you passed the test. We've been aware of your team for some time. Mystery Incorporated, welcome to the Mystery Analysts of Gotham. Jinkies, Batman needs our help? A crime alert. Maybe we should investigate. Agreed. I move that Mystery Incorporated take the lead on this case. It looks like we have another mystery on our hands. We'll have to eat our way out of here. They're hungry for action. Jeepers, <laughs> he's turned into Taking down villains. After him. And helping the Dark Knight save the day. New plan. Let's bash some bad guys. Let's go. Pull out of the metal. Excuse me. Turn left. Left. Got it. He doesn't know directions. Duh. He's a dog. Holy Scooby-Dooby-Doo! Batman! Scooby-Doo and Batman, the Brave and the Bold. Look for it on DVD and digital. Bravo! Good show! Talking animals freak me out. <laughs> Tell me about it. Hello and welcome to FW Presents, the omnibus show for the Fire and Water Podcast Network. We're here to talk about Scooby-Doo and Batman, the Brave and the Bold, the new movie from Warner Brothers Animation. It just came out a couple of weeks ago. We have a giant panel of people to talk about it. It's me, Rob Kelly. We also have the Irredeemable Shag. Hi, Shag. Hello. Zoinks. Nathaniel Wayne. <laughs> hey, Scoob. We got to run. <laughs> hey, how's it going? <laughs> he gave up on that halfway through. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't working. I should have I I bailed before I started. Chris Franklin. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, wow. Okay, wow. Yeah, can all, the rest of us can give up now. Try to follow that, Max Romero. <laughs> I, I won't. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and special guest, the junk uh, sale artist, which is the, <laughs> the garbage pails artist. The garbage oh, pail my artist, goodness. Jared Albrick. Hi, Jared. Oh, my goodness. I, someone's got to keep an eye on you meddling kids. Hello. <laughs> that would be the yard sale artist. So, <laughs> Thank uh, you, Shag. Now, I will admit, the original idea for this show was uh, that we were going to do a whole network uh, a whole network crossover on it because this team-up of Scooby-Doo and Batman from Brave and the Bold featured, like, virtually every char- a character for everyone on the network. It had Batman for Chris. It had, of course, Shag for Shag, Shaggy for Shag, Aquaman for me, Plastic Man for Max, and Black Canary for Ryan. Now, Ryan is not here because he's busy at Last Jedi Therapy Camp, so we're going to ignore that part of it. Uh, we're just going to talk about this movie, which came out uh, on DVD and Blu-ray and iTunes and stuff a couple of weeks ago. Let's just start right at, right at the top. I'll start with, with Max. Let's start with Max. Max, like, are you a particular fan of Scooby-Doo and or Brave and the Bold, the cartoon series? And if so, what did you think of the merging of these two properties? Holy crap, that's kind of a loaded question, isn't it? <laughs> um, yes, yes to both. Uh, I'll, I'll, I, I like the Brave and the Bull cartoon quite a bit. I, I thought it uh, really kind of captured the fun spirit, especially at a time when that was not to be found in the comics themselves, as far as Batman was concerned. And I, I kind of, probably like a lot of people, I kind of grew up on Scooby-Doo just because, I don't know, it's like required by American law or something. 
it, it was just on TV all the time. So I, I watched a lot of it. And, and anyway, you, yeah, the, the, the melding of it, yeah, I thought it worked really well, actually. Right, yeah, because The Brave and the Bold obviously is not the most serious take on the characters. It's incredibly lighthearted, but it's it's not Scooby-Doo level either. So <laughs> I was a little concerned about it. Now, Chris, I know you're like a mega fan of both. What did you think? Oh, I, I, I thought it was great. And, I, and you know, these kind of go together hand in hand because, you know, the uh, Batman and Robin were, of course, on the, the, uh, the new Scooby-Doo movies in uh, 1972. And uh, I always waited for when that series was on, you know, that they just rotate like what Scooby-Doo version was on in syndication. And I just waited for if that version of Scooby-Doo came on. I, I waited for Casey Kasem to say, today Scooby-Doo meets Batman and Robin, you know. And so, <laughs> so I mean, I was I was just totally sold on this. Love the Brave and the Bold animated series. Uh, my kids have got a lot of these Scooby-Doo movies that they've done in the past. Like it's been like 20 years now since they started these direct-to-video Scooby-Doo movies. And they're all pretty good, you know. So I, I was, I was pretty much sold from the get-go. Nathaniel, well, it, it's funny. I actually have better familiarity with this um, version of the Scooby Gang than I do with this version of Batman. I'd only seen one episode of The Brave and the Bold, <gasps> and I, I liked it. Don't get me wrong. I just didn't like it enough to set aside the time I would need to actually catch up on the thing and it wasn't something my kid got into so i did i didn't watch it by proxy however for a brief period she did get into scooby-doo specifically the mystery incorporated version which ran from 2010 to 2013 i think she got into that for a little while which had this voice the the same voice cast for those characters so i'm pretty familiar with with this incarnation more or less of the scooby gang and much less so with this batman but i think they blended really really well and i think Part of that is to do with the fact that whenever you do this kind of team up, somebody is going to be the guest star in somebody else's feature. You can't do a 50-50 split. And I think it's pretty clear that ultimately they made the decision that this is a Batman story guest starring the Scooby gang. And I think that was probably the right way to go. Interesting. Yeah, no, I agree with that. That, that Somebody's always going to be you know, a little bit lesser. It is hard to do the 50-50, especially when you have this many characters. Uh, Shag, Jared, since you guys are sitting in the same chair, what do you guys think? <laughs> uh, I didn't realize that was lap. the setup. <laughs> As Rob alluded, this was going to be a network uh, sort of program until Jared crashed on my couch. So uh, it's kind of awkward to do the podcast without him. So I had to invite him. Weird. Uh, for me, I love Scooby-Doo. Absolutely. I mean, I, no kidding aside, my namesake is Shag from Scooby-Doo. That's where I got the name Shag from. We were always given to me. So I grew up loving Scooby-Doo. I love the new incarnations, just like you described, Chris. I've watched a lot of the DVD ones when they, or the one they run on Cartoon Network, things like that. So very pleased with that. Batman Brave and the Bold. I didn't see a ton of it, but every episode I saw, I loved. You know, there's a great kitschy value to it. And I think what made these two work is that in more recent years, the Scooby-Doo series has become a lot more self-referential. Um, it's a lot more humor poking fun at themselves quite a bit in their own shows. So, and Batman Brave and the Bold's always been kind of that way too. So I think that kind of humor melded very well together. I was very pleased. Jared? Oh, uh, first of all, I'm a little feelings hurt that you didn't reference my Killer Moth podcast, but, you know, whatever. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, No, I'm going to have to unfortunately agree with Shag in that um, Scooby-Doo's been in rotation, you know, obviously since I was a kid, and then I had my own kid, and then I had another kid eight years later. I don't recommend that formula because, you know, Scooby-Doo will be in constant rotation for, you know, my childhood and then my first kid's childhood and then 
my much later kids' uh, childhood. Um, so yeah, I've seen about a million episodes of Scooby Doo. Um, I've I've only seen a few of uh, the Batman Brave and the Bold, but I, I always really liked them. I thought they were a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of fun. I love. Uh, you're gonna like this, Rob. I love that Aquaman. It's oh, just yeah. so entertaining to watch. And 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 going back to my unfortunate agreement uh, with Shag, I, I was really interested to see how that humor, because I knew they were both uh, uh, funny shows, but like uh, slightly different. They're funny how they would meld in this movie that I just watched while I was sitting on Shag's couch, and uh, it was fantastic. It was. I I laughed out loud many many times. Totally enjoyable, fun film. Yeah, the thing, the reason I was so excited about it is because this is really the first return of Brave and the Bold. Like, when Brave and the Bold went off the air, I was genuinely sad. And so I, I was so happy that Warner Brothers was kind of still interested in keeping this as a property, like as a trademark, that that they would call it Brave and the Bold. That was one of the things I was so excited about. And, and of course, yeah. the fact that they're working in so many of the the characters. I mean, this thing not only has Batman, but it features Aquaman, Plastic Man, The Question, Detective Chimp, Martian Manhunter, Black Canary. I mean, plus a bunch of the villains. I mean, it's just like this is this is great. This is like everything I wanted to see. There is Killer one Moth. point. <laughs> There's one point I think we all need to bring up, though. I mean, let's face it. As far as I'm concerned, I'm going to start a petition to have this you know, movie wiped from continuity simply because they didn't acknowledge the 1972 Scooby-Doo movies where Batman and, and Scooby-Doo had met previously. <laughs> I forget it. I'm out. This is trash and garbage. I kept well, waiting for this Batman to have a missing neck piece in his costume to have that fleshy <laughs> neck. But they did. They never quite referenced. It. Well, and there, there is a Scooby and Scooby and the gang were on an episode of the brave and the bold. So, uh, there's a, there episode called, uh, uh, Batman's Strangest Cases, hosted by Batmite, uh, that is a spoof of the old Scooby-Doo uh, movies. Well, and that's it's, true, uh, yeah. Batman and Robin show up to help uh, the gang save Weird Al Yankovic from <laughs> Joker and the Penguin. Uh, it, I highly recommend you check that episode out because it's got that segment, it's got a segment that's Batmanga, and it's got a segment that's the uh, Batboy and Ruben from Mad Magazine. It's... It, it you you gotta watch it to believe it. It's it's nuts. But so yeah, <laughs> I love the opening that the the whole bit is a, a a test by Batman for this for the mystery uh, gang to join mystery, the mystery analyst. I thought that was such a great opening. I mean, it was because I like that's a very Batmany thing to do. Is to sort of like te- you know, there's no Robin here. This is him induct- indoctrinating these younger younger people into the into the group. Which and I love the whole notion of there being this separate group of his fellow detectives. I thought that was like a really cute idea and they have like their own cave and like, it was, I thought that was great. And you know, I, you know, I can never put it past the people that made this movie, James Tucker and Sam register and all, all the, the brave and the bull gang. Cause there is no geeky reference to obscure for them. Uh, <laughs> the, the group that this, the group name is mystery, the mystery analysts. And is anybody familiar with where that might be from? I have an idea, but have any of you guys any? I can tell you where it's from. Uh, It's it's actually from the comics. There was a group called the Mystery Analysts of Gotham. There you go. Debuted in Batman's New Look period, nineteen sixty four, in Batman number one sixty four. It was a bunch of plainclothes detectives uh, that met and solved cases together with Batman and Commissioner Gordon, and they appeared sporadically until the early 1980s. So it's go. pretty freaking obscure. Yep. Oh and, and, wow. and that was the original name for the Outsiders of Batman and the Outsiders. 
Oh wow! In an, in an, <laughs> which Siskoid was excited about that because in an editorial, in an editorial, Batman the Outsiders number one, Mike Barr talks about that the book was originally going to be called Batman and the Mystery Analysts of Gotham City. He mentions that he's, <laughs> he, he says the idea never got out of my suitcase. So right. like, he wanted to do that, which I thought I thought that was so cool. I love the, these guys dig so far deep into the minutia. I just enjoy the hell out of it. I'm going to take an opposite position real quick, though. You say it was really cool on how Batman did the, you know, the, did the test and they had their secret club and all that. I'll flip it and say it's total bat dickery. Oh, my gosh. I mean, he puts them through this this case where it's life and death circumstances and, and all just to taunt them when he knew they were going to be worthy of the club. And then they have a club that's so elitist they won't even let Aquaman in. It's it's super dickery with a bat, hel- <laughs> with a bat mask on. <laughs> So do do we want to transition to this Aquaman? Because speaking of someone who didn't know the Brave and the Bold, wow. Um, Here's what I'll say about that Aquaman. Not only did I have a lot of fun watching him, I liked that they found a way to make fun of Aquaman that was not the same tired, oh, he talks to fish jokes that have been made for the last 30 years. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Oh, I, I've loved this this version of Aquaman since the first episode. Since they first, I thought it was such a great idea to make him kind of like uh, the Brian Blessed from Flash Gordon, just to be in that kind of like adventure. I thought that was great, and I love that he became one of the biggest stars on the show. Like he was almost pretty much only second to Batman in terms of how many appearances he racked up. He got a, practically his own episode at one point. The uh, Aquaman's Outrageous Adventure. I thought it was great, and he John DiMaggio, of course, Bender from. Uh, Futurama is the voice of Aquaman. He just does such a great job. I love everything about this Aquaman. And again, I don't know if this is a reference or not, but the whole plot hinges on that Aquaman wants to join the mystery analysts and Batman won't let him because of Aquaman is not a detective. And there's this great run about where Aquaman talks about, I can determine this. And he's like, that's oceanography, you know, and he's that's all that kind of stuff. And many in the sixties, Aquaman had a brief run in the back of detective comics and that was a real stretch because Aquaman is not a detective <laughs> character. And I really think DC was like, we just have to put this Aquaman strip somewhere. And I almost wonder, is that a reference to that? Is that that obscure? Again, I wouldn't put it past James Tucker and the guy for, for them to be obliquely referencing that. Well, in those backup strips, did he claim to be from Scotland Yard with a French accent? Because yeah. that would really <laughs> would fit it all in quite well. <laughs> oh, man. That was hysterical. I... Almost fell off the couch laughing so hard when he's doing the French accent. Yeah, I thought it was great. The combination of Sherlock Holmes and, and Hercule Poirot. What do we think of the, the the group that that Batman has assembled? Manhunter, Black Canary, Plastic Man. I mean, Matt, you must have been thrilled to have Plastic Man so prominently in the movie. I was. I, I was disappointed that it wasn't more Plastic Man, but yeah, I I, I really dug it. I kind of like that he was thrown in there because I know he's I know he's a popular character in terms of animation, but. Um, I like that he, in in a way, you know, they're they're kind of acknowledging, hey, this guy was an FBI agent, <laughs> you know, this guy this guy was a Fed, and he he did solve crimes, and he did, um, you know, he worked with Batman more than once in in the Brave and Bold comics, so you know, it, it, I was glad to see him there. It made sense. What do you think of the I, uh, the actor that plays Plastic Man? I forget who it is. Oh, uh, Tom, Tom Kenny, Kenny, of course, yeah, but yeah, SpongeBob yeah. SquarePants. Mm-hmm. I like Tom Kenny a lot. I like him better than Dana Snyder. Who's who's the voice for Plastic Man on uh, Justice League Action? Wow! I, I I can well I can't I can't not hear Master Shake <laughs> every time he opens his mouth, <laughs> and it and it kind of I just I cannot shake that for some reason. Oh shit! Oh, sorry. <laughs> 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 was, I, I can't uh, I can't get past that. 
And uh, and I, I really prefer Tom Kenny's voice acting to to uh, Dana Snyder. I love he does get to Daphne to sit on him. That's a kind of a nice touch. Oof, lucky guy. Underage could have gone so bad they dodged a bullet with, with how quickly they move past that. <laughs> he stops her just before he she she lands. So. <laughs> Isn't she underage? And I mean, he kind of you know. I mean, maybe Not by this not. point. Yeah, maybe not. Shut up, Chris Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think they're in high school, but she, you're ruining it. She could be a senior. She could be 18. No, <laughs> they're they're post college at this point in their lives. Don't do that. To, no, no. I will put it out there. I have a reputation to. I have a reputation to uphold. Daphne is smoking hot. I have always had a thing for redheads. I think it's part of the reason I ended up marrying a redhead. So, just saying. Okay, well, I'm going to bounce back at you. Velma's hotter. Velma's always been hotter. Fight. That's a, everyone's allowed to have their own wrong opinion, and that's one of yours. <laughs> one of your many. <laughs> I'm always. Now, when, did, when, when did Velma pick up the hipster sort of voice? By the way, like she always used to have the nerd voice. Now she's got like a hipster kind of voice. Is, has that been part of the more recent uh, mystery ink stuff, Nathaniel? Well, Kate Micucci's been playing her for a while now, and yeah, that's kind of been the that's kind of been the thing because when they did Scooby Doo Mystery Incorporated, it. It wasn't a period piece. It was set in modern times. So they kind of found ways to justify that these characters um, kind of were still acting the way that they were, you know, since the since the 60s and 70s. But sort of bringing it up to modern day and kind of the way you justify Velma, the way she looks and behaves like she's a little bit of a hipster. So, yeah, that's been around for uh, eight years or so. I think it worked for it. Yeah. Oh, and I'm a, I'm a fan of uh, of Kate Micucci, too, from Garfunkel and Oates. I think she's a terrific mm-hmm. Velma. She kind of looks like Velma. I mean, in real life, you got to, it's not, you know. No, I thought, I think the whole voice cast here is great. I mean, they got everybody from the show. Jeffrey Combs as the question, like one of the yes. great casting coups of all time. Like, that is so perfect. Well, he I have wasn't a question. The question. He wasn't the question, sorry. He wasn't the question on Brave and the Bold, but that's a dial back to JLU. Right, So, right. So, that's- so and he is the version of the question that I like the best. So I was so I was so happy when I heard his voice. That was actually my question. It was going to be for you, Chris, because I was shocked that it was Jeffrey Combs. I was like, wait a minute. That's the jail. So, okay, so what you're saying, this is the first time he's done it for Brave and the Bold. Okay, because I was yes. wondering, has there ever been an actor that played the character on Justice League Unlimited and then continued to play the character on Brave and the Bold before now? Uh, Booster Gold, the guy that played Booster Gold. Mm. Uh, what's his name? Tom Everett Scott. He played uh, on JLU and uh, Brave and the Bold. Okay. Gotcha. Now, since since we brought up the voice acting, um, one of my few nitpicks, and this might be really nitpicking, maybe no one else noticed, is it just me or have they more or less fixed Scooby's speech impediment? <laughs> because I swear he was only using he was only sticking the R at the front of the word for the mm-hmm, first mm-hmm. word of a sentence, but then the rest of the sentence went more or less normal, and that was throwing me off. Yeah, since Frank Welker started doing Scooby, I think you're right. I think they kind of did back off of that some maybe because uh, kind of like what rob and i talked about on our power records episode scooby just talks more now than he than he used to yeah he <laughs> speaks in like two or three sentence clips now and he didn't used to yeah i think that's part of it so frank welker now and, and frank welker has done fred in every version of scooby-doo since 1969 frank i mean welker I, I, is the man he <laughs> is the man yes and now he's Scooby Doo as well. Is it just me? And I'm sure it's casting from Brave and the Bold, but like Martian Manhunter's voice just isn't working for me. It's it doesn't have any kind of alien quality at all. It, I didn't even realize it was Nicholas Guest until today, and it's the same guy 
from the Brave and the Bold. And I know Nicholas Guest is I don't know Margot from you know Christmas Vacation. Oh, that's geez. that's who that is. You know Clark Griswold's snooty oh, neighbor. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I kind of with you. I, I miss Carl uh, Carl Lumley from uh, JLU. But this Martian Manhunter's I don't know. He's almost like more like a honked off Leonard Nimoy or something. I don't <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's just it is kind of odd. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of the the voice cast, uh, there's an actor here, Kevin Michael Richardson. He has the coolest credit in all of IMDb history. Kevin Michael what, Richardson. Detective Chimp. Okay, well, it says Kevin Michael Richardson. Dot dot dot. Clayface slash Detective Chimp. Those are the best com- <laughs> the best combination <laughs> possible. I think. I, by the way, I love how they draw the Batman villains in this thing. They look like Dick Sprang characters. I mm-hmm. am such a fan of how they do them. I love the Joker voice. The Jeff Bennett as the Joker. He has that. He they. they Jeff Bennett decided to do kind of something like um, the, the Joker from the Filmation version as opposed to like yeah. a high-pitched thing. He kind of does a more low register. I absolutely love it. I mean, I I mean, I mean, loved everything about Brave and the Bold, but I, I particularly love their take on the Batman villains. And this movie gives us something that I don't think the comics have ever done. Aquaman versus Killer Croc. It's a natural combination for those two to fight. <laughs> True. <laughs> so he, here's a question for it. Did did anyone have a favorite joke? Because I know I had one. All right, I'll just jump into it. Cool. I, I, I talk, the room goes dead. It's it's amazing. <laughs> so my favorite joke in this whole thing was they they were in the in the mystery machine there and they're trying they're doing a getaway. And Scooby's driving, because of course. So <laughs> Scooby's driving the van and Batman's in the back. He says, I know what to do. Scooby, turn right and the then Scooby turns left, and there's there's a pause, and Batman goes, he doesn't know directions, does he? And Daphne turns to him and goes, duh, he's a dog. Like, no one's questioning that the dog is driving the dog to know directions. What's wrong with you? Something about the delivery of that line, I, I burst out laughing at that. That, that killed me. <laughs> That's kind of a similar joke when uh, when they talked about Detective Chimp and Shaggy's like, man, talking animals freak me out. And Scoop's <laughs> like, good. yeah, yep. me too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I liked it when Aquaman called the octopus to do his cleanup for him. I thought that was great. He's just like, clean up after me. <laughs> that was a great bit. So there was a visual gag I liked. It wasn't so much a gag. There was a visual bit where they're driving into the mystery headquarters and they have all the doors like get smart. And oh, I just yeah. absolutely love it. I kept hearing it in my head, dun 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 dun. dun. That again, there wasn't a gag near there, but it was a visual cue that I absolutely loved. Did yeah. anyone catch? I the like jo- the. Uh, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, did anyone catch the Georgia O'Keeffe reference? No. When when Ivy is sending her plant to go attack, who's it? Yeah. No, whoever it's attacking, <laughs> she goes get get them, Georgia. And it's, and it's a plant that comes out after them. <laughs> well caught. Wow. It's, it's, it's also a Vagina Dentata joke, but I'm not going to go too much into that. Yeah, you're yeah, not going to come uh, into that. You're just going to drop it and leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> I guess my, I give my joke of the episode to uh, when uh, Fred was kind of smart-ass to Bullock. It's, hey, have you, have you thought of, like, splitting the groups and looking for clues? And then Bullock bounced right back <laughs> and said something like, uh, you know, shut your trap, cupcake. Or something. I know he called him cupcake. <laughs> <That was pretty laughs> <funny. laughs> 
All, all the hippie references. Everybody kept referring to them as hippies. So I thought that's hilarious. Like finally somebody's come out and say, "Why are you still driving around in a flowered van in 2018?" You know. Well, I, I also love that they're they're talking to Bullock and he calls them a gang and like, oh well, you know, we're we're a gang, but we're not a, a gang gang. We're not we're not a gang. <laughs> becomes a very long conversation for them. It is interesting. <laughs> it, 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 just, it just keeps going. And it, it remains funny, which is amazing. I like okay. I've, I've I like... only ever seen... I've, I've only ever seen one other Scooby-Doo animated movie. Is the mystery machine blowing up a, a thing? Is that like a running gag? Because they, they reference that. They say something like, oh, we lose more mystery machines that way. And the, the single one that I saw also blew up. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> It, so I don't, I, know, I don't know if you guys have seen that or not. but I don't I'm think curious. it was a running thing in the shows, but they've been doing these standalone movies forever. It might be a running thing in those. I'm not sure. I think Zombie Island was the first one back in the early yeah. 2000s or so, yeah. I, I did just think of my favorite gag because, as Rob said, we all had a thing in the show. Martian Manhunter did some JLI jokes in there with the Choco cookies. Oh, right. So right. I was over the moon <laughs> that I got a Justice League International. Yes. That made me very happy. <laughs> This wasn't well, – it was a little bit of a joke. It was played for a little bit of comedy, but I think this is something all of us could appreciate a lot more. Watching Fred basically turn into what I imagine Ryan Daly would turn into if he actually met Black Canary. <laughs> <laughs> Just this whole stammering, oh, oh, big fan. Oh, oh. And the sound effect he made, he ran up to her and you got the boing sound effect. I'm like, whoa. There's some layering for adults there. You know? <laughs> sure they were going to do something with Daphne being unhappy about that because, you know, there's been different times where they've hinted them as a couple, but there was nothing. But she did get to swoon over Batman when he caught her, which was nice. Same actress doing Canary and Daphne. That's why it didn't, uh, they didn't get there upset you about go. it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so can we just jump forward and talk about Daphne in the Batgirl costume? Because I think that's a very important <laughs> I, I have to. I have to say, me. when I saw that, Shag was the first person I thought of. <laughs> <laughs> well, we watched it, Jared and I, with my daughter and my wife, and I immediately turned to my wife, uh, as I've told you guys famously, a redhead, and I turned to her and I said, honey, um, Daphne in the back girl, I didn't even get it out. She just goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> that is a true story. In fact, the, the entire time we were watching the episode, Shag's taking notes, and I'm doing the meta thing where I'm taking notes of what Shag does during the episode. <laughs> and yes, he did try to get his wife to wear a Batgirl costume. Uh, he got very hung up on the fact that that was not really an unsolved mystery that Batman had going on there. He was really bothered by that. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's talk about that. So he's got this Wouldn't unsolved shut up mystery. about it. Well, I'm going to talk about it right now, in fact, if you'll shut up. So he's got this unsolved mystery. I'll come mystery in there. I'll come in, in that room. I'm looking at him through the glass. He put his nipple on the glass a minute ago, guys. I'm going to have to get the window. Oh, Billy. Yeah, he really did. All right, so anyway, inside the filing cabinet, is Batman has his one unsolved mystery. Excuse me? What was the mystery? There was none. It was just a case he didn't win. There was no mystery. Am I wrong here? Oh, you bought the talking dog. <laughs> <laughs> See, he, here's here's my uh, here's my no prize for that. Batman doesn't have a properly unsolved mystery, so he took the closest thing he did have, so that there was something in his file drawer, so that the rest of the members of the group didn't yes. feel bad. That works. Oh my gosh. Well, the mystery could be what happened to Doctor Scarlet. Is he is he really dead? Did he go through time? Did he go to another dimension? You know, so. Uh, you know, so maybe that's a mystery. I don't know. 
That is not a no prize. Not <laughs> he was, he's really bitter about this. I'm, like, I'm half, mad. Half the movie is like, it's not a mystery. And I'm like, shut up. It's <laughs> a super intelligent, funny story. It's engaging. And it's, it's built on a false premise. It's, my life is a lie. This is my, you guys are experiencing my entire movie watching experience right now. It's almost as if it's almost as if the screenplay for this Scooby Doo team up movie is not airtight. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, I thought of you when they showed Catwoman in her seventies outfit because like Mego. That's Mego, right? That's her Mego costume. I was like, oh, I mean, I know that the animators, like, I'm sure that all these uh, anybody who gets to draw Batman characters for you know like any sort of project must really enjoy getting to stick in cameos because Batman has so many to pick from. And I noticed there was King Tut and Bookworm, which mm-hmm. I thought was great. Killer Moth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jared, move on, for God's sakes. I mean, they had they had uh, Simple Simon, the Pieman, and Sweet Tooth from from the, the both the 60s and 70s filmation cartoons. I mean, that's some deep cuts. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. Oh, speaking, speaking of deep cuts, and this isn't a joke, this is just a nerdy reference, is, and I mentioned this, I think, the, the the day the uh, movie came out, but did anybody else catch the reference to the Riddler's cell number in Arkham Asylum? No. Mm-hmm. His cell number is DC 140, which is Detective Comics number 140, 140. which is the first appearance of the Riddler. Oh, oh wow! Oh, and I also love—I also loved in the flashback, Batman has his, his like year one costume. I thought that yeah. was mm-hmm. great. Purple gloves. Yeah, the purple yeah. gloves. Oh, and that almost felt like a little bit of a nod to Darwin Cook too, because I think that was how Darwin Cook drew him in New Frontier. Yeah, when whenever Batman they did a flashback on Brave and the Bold, that's what they showed him in, and and he had the old Batmobile too, the original, mm-hmm. the original Batmobile with the bad head front and the fin on the back. So that I mean, I I'd, I'd watch a whole Batman series that looks like that, you know, like today. That's awesome. Yeah, that's <laughs> really fantastic. Anybody else pick up verified Star Trek sound effects? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> in the back game. In the back game, yeah, when they're doing sciencey stuff, I thought that was really cool. <laughs> yeah. What did you guys think of the bad guy of the of the uh, crimson cloak? He, I, I mean, the, the look immediately made me think of the phantasm, which yeah, I think is probably too. purposeful. Mm-hmm. I think Velma even refers to him as a phantasm at one point. He also kind of looked like those uh, green, the green ghost from Scooby Doo mm-hmm. back then. And there was also mm-hmm. an episode with Mama Cass where there was a vanilla, strawberry, <laughs> chocolate ghost that looked like that. So guy was like the strawberry ghost. <laughs> I was not expecting a Mama Cass reference. <laughs> the amount of Scooby-Doo stuff you're able to pull off the top of your head is starting to frighten me. <laughs> well, I thought it was going to be uh, the Reaper from Batman Year Two because it was red. It was, you know, the red cloak and everything and all that floating. It just looked like that to me. No, it, it makes too much sense to be the Reaper. <laughs> I was really hoping it was going to be the killer. Mo- you know what? Never mind. <laughs> Whatever mystery they had, as soon as they found mud in that uh, mausoleum, you're like, oh, yeah, there you go. Well, you know, <laughs> that, we know who's behind this. So, but, well, you know, that that's... was the thing. I called Clayface really early. I think we all did. That said, the and, and I also called that the question was going to be revealed to not be the question, but that it was ultimately going to end up being the – oh, spoilers um, – that it was ultimately going to end up being the Riddler. I didn't call that, and I like that they kind of went the extra mile with like the, the with that one last bit. Yeah, I didn't expect that last bit because these movies tend to be short, and it felt like that we were at the end. 
Yeah, and I'm with you. It does like that was like, whoa, wait a minute, this isn't over. This is like like there's a whole nother like action well, sequence now. Well, that well that's kind of like two things. Like I like the final reveal of the Riddler being behind it because it means that like I didn't guess the whole mystery almost immediately. Because if it had just been Clayface, like yeah, I freaking called that. But having it actually lead to an action beat at the end, that I'm not quite as down for because I and um uh, Return of the Cape Crusaders did something similar where like there was a big action, very climactic moment and it wraps up. And then there's another like six minute long action beat after that. And in both cases, I feel like they did the whole thing, came to a natural, natural conclusion. Somebody checked their watch and went, Oh crap. We're not at an hour 15 yet. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe so. (laughs) Uh, I got to say my son, Andrew was like, as soon as he saw the costumes in the case, even before they started looking at him, he's like, Oh, they're going to put those on. (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. But it was, you know, that was, that, that was pretty cool. And I got to say that, that Velma made a cool fill in Carrie Kelly Robin in the, as, as well as Daphne as Batgirl, who just looked like Batgirl, obviously, yes. you know, <laughs> I, I'm glad you mentioned the Carrie Kelly. I had the same note. I was just, once it clicked, I'm like, Oh my gosh. Wow. That was yeah, really cool. we maybe we yeah. mentioned it before, but yeah, Daphne is Batgirl. It's like if you if you had like a Venn diagram of like fanboy fantasies, that overlaps a lot of overlap. There's ninety two percent overlap. Right there. <laughs> it's definitely just one big circle. Really, it's not even a Venn diagram. So I have a Daphne nitpick. Okay, so oh, here we go. Well, no, it's, it's, I'll, I'll I'll keep it in my pants while I talk about it. She's really oh, jeez. Doing, she's just doing scripts, right? So she's doing all these world scrambles, and she finds the the assistant's name and does it as she goes, "Look, it's Edward Nigma, right?" And then when somebody goes, "Who is that?" and Batman goes, "The Riddler," she's one of the people who goes, "What?" So <laughs> yeah, how could she be? How? Why would she put the letters together in the shape of Edward Nigma if she didn't know who that was? Right, I got that too. That was kind of. A, I think that was a that was a plot hole. That's that's all that is. <laughs> that's a plot hole big enough to drive a mystery machine through. Yes. <laughs> You know, I've been accused of nitpicking before, Shag, but for God's sake, man. (laughs) I was going to say, would it make you feel more comfortable if I talk about how hot Black Canary was? Because I could do that, too. I do love the way they – and I'm sure it's a Brave and the Bold style, but just that classic 1940s style, like the way her hair, the way they draw her face. I mean, she's gorgeous. She's breathtaking. I love it. I absolutely thought it was phenomenal. Uh, The Brave and the Bold, like almost all the the female characters had that kind of – 40s glamour look i mean catwoman on the show had the purple gown and you know the classic purple uh and green catwoman costume here they put her in her you know mego pirate costume for whatever reason but uh you know poison ivy always had a dress on and uh, for some reason harley's a flapper i've never quite figured that out on the brave and the bold but and she is again here which is just weird can they can they do any batman project now without harley quinn in it is she just that popular at this point <laughs> Yes. <laughs> normally, normally I complain about that, but I actually she had one line that I loved where she just she pulls the hammer like seemingly out of thin air, and Shaggy goes, "Where do you get that from?" She goes, "Beats me, beats you too," and she <laughs> starts swinging it at him. <laughs> she is DC's Deadpool, Rob. You have to. Yeah, yeah she absolutely, is. absolutely. Yeah. It's something you about red and black exposed in the eighties. <laughs> I'm I'm running the movie uh, as we're talking here, and another point that I love to bring up: I like the idea that Arkham Asylum has a cafeteria. 
<laughs> with knives already in the sandwiches. Yeah. That's got to be bad planning. <laughs> Is there anything about Arkham that doesn't fall under the what in the hell were they thinking yeah. category? Well, their cheapest I mean, security they, they is Barney Five. <laughs> That's right. It was Barney Five. <laughs> yes, that was awesome. Because he was on the Scooby Doo Team Up movies at one point too, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah, I don't know if he was Barney Fife, but it was it was definitely you know the actor. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Were you disappointed that Jerry Reed didn't show up, Chris? I, I'm always disappointed. Oh. Was. Song. <laughs> so I, one thing I love about the Scooby Doo animation, and this goes back to a lot of these uh, directed DVD movies. One of the things they do in order to keep the characters in their house style is they don't color their eye their eyes white. Their, their eyes are still the whole flesh color except for the black you know, pupil area. But the rest of the characters in the show all have the whites of their eyes. So when you look at them standing next to each other, it's a weird contrast, but they do it to keep the characters on model. And I, I just love it. It's such a great throwback to the old 60s show. Well, they also hang a lampshade on it because some, at one point somebody says that Shaggy has beady little eyes. <laughs> Scooby who said it. Yes, that's right. It's, Sco- it's Scooby who says it because Scooby's the only one who has whites of his eyes out of that gang. <laughs> <laughs> this thing does so feature a, a classic Scooby gag too, where it's just a shot of the background, and it's just the characters running out of a door into another door outside of a window, yes. another door. Right. And that was, I mean, that was done for Hanna Barbera to save animation. But I mean, here it's done. It's it's you know as, as a throwback. To, I love that bit. Just watching in the old Scooby show, they would run like an old hippie song in the background. But here it was like <laughs> stuff as an action. I thought that was great. I thought that was really funny. Just. It was like a, like color forms almost because you just know the background is just this still thing with the the characters running in and out. And I love that they they work Shaggy and Scooby into the Brave and the Bold single shots of like the action beats. You know, like where it gets frozen into like a panel. I mean, yes. this just really it was a good merging of the two concepts. Well, when they were looking for the door to the 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 mystery club, I was thinking that same kind of thing, Rob, about the backgrounds going by because they just kept showing garage doors going by, mm-hmm. and and I turned to Jared and said, "Just look for the one that's a different color, right? Because yeah, that's exactly. always the one that opens, <laughs> the one that's actually going to animate, yeah, right, yeah. exactly." <laughs> and I was like, "Shut up!" <laughs> there was a lot of that. That used to bug me as a kid because I didn't know enough about the animation process. Not so much with doors, but, like, there'd be a pile of rocks, and there'd be one rock that's a lighter color. Like, that's going to fall. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Was there any, anything that anybody didn't particularly like? Is it, did, I mean, I wanted to see more of the other characters. Like, I actually thought Aquaman got a lot to do, but I, I, and not, this is not just to butter up Max. I actually wanted to see more Plastic Man. <laughs> Because I, really, I wanted to see more Plastic yeah, Man. Yeah, I mean, of, well, of course. I mean, Plastic Man's one of my favorite characters. And, of course, he he's the perfect animation character. You know, mm-hmm. like, literally perfect, other than maybe Martian Manor, who can uh, shape change. But I was a little disappointed that he didn't get more to do, or the other characters didn't get as much to do. But, I mean, again, it's a 72-minute movie, and you have already six main characters. So it's probably asking a little much for the guest stars to even get that much more to do. Yeah, that, that was the that was the thing for me. I mean, that, and Plastic Man got some some cool things to do in the beginning. I mean, he does that kind of Elastigirl stave of all the characters mm-hmm. when the when the building explodes, and I thought that was really cool. And you know, and he's he's kind of playing it straight the whole time, which is which is refreshing. But uh, but yeah, there's so many characters. If everyone got a if everyone was given something to do <laughs> in the entire movie, it would have been a three hour thing. That sounds good. I like that that Daphne knew who Eel O'Brien was. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that bugged me. Oh, his name. name, Okay, Eel O'Brien's name is not Edward 
O'Brien. It's Patrick O'Brien. It's been that forever. Come mm. on. That, that bothered me. <laughs> okay, well, then, being that these guys are so into the research, was there ever a time where he was assigned the wrong first name? No. Like any script. <laughs> <laughs> no, as far as, and he didn't, he didn't even get Patrick right away. That, I think that didn't come until, oh, man, maybe JLA? Because before that, he was just Eel. I don't think he ever had a, name, a first name before then. Well, my yeah. son Andrew pointed out that uh, they got the continuity of Plastic Man wrong on Brave and the Bold because on the show, Plastic Man was working for Kite Man when he fell into yeah. that bad chemical. Hell yeah! <laughs> and and uh, Andrew's like, no way, man. He wasn't just a crook. He worked for Kite Man. <laughs> this is what happens when you, when you get geeks together to watch this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> what did you, Chris, what did your kids think of the movie? Oh, they liked it. I mean, me and... Uh, me and Danny watched it again today, um, you know, just to refresh my memory. But, I mean, they they both grew up watching Scooby-Doo. Like I've, I've told Rob before, I've, I've, Danny's room is painted in Scooby-Doo colors. I painted a silhouette of the gang running across the uh, – end of classic running pose running across the wall with a fat head of Scooby on the other side. So, um, I mean, they're – you know they're sold on Scooby, but they, you know, they they really enjoyed it, and and Brave and the Bold was appointment viewing here when it was on, um, so you know it was a it was a home run here at the Franklin House. You know what I what I missed? I wish they had done the bats from the from the classic Scooby Doo opening. Yes, that would have made mm-hmm. a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I did like how they worked the Scooby Gang into the Brave and the Bold opening, like because Batman in their on the old Brave and the Bold he's always driving through the city. You know, the skyscrapers made up of words, you know, uh, that would represent. And here they had the Scooby gang walking through, but the words were made up of Scooby stuff. I thought that was really cool. I want to know what's under the hood of the mystery machine, because it was able to keep up with the Batmobile. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the the opening did have the eyes from the, the Scooby, the new Scooby-Doo movies, which is, of course, the team-up series. So I thought that was, that was a neat touch, because it's like, this is kind of like a modern version of that, which, you know, of course, us comic fans... It makes us. It makes me just want to just do Scooby Doo team up as a TV show. You know, that's what mm-hmm. that's what I want them to do. I mean, if this sells like hotcakes, the comics. Everybody loves the comics. Just just do that. I mean, that'll get more DC characters on TV too. And you know, you you'll you'll introduce all these kids to all these DC characters in addition to Justice League action and Teen Titans Go and stuff. And it's a it's a win win for everybody. It's Scooby Doo team up. The the comic, yeah. Yeah, Scoob, yeah, Scooby Doo with the Watchmen. <laughs> <laughs> Scooby could be that dog that that uh, Rorschach. Oh, never mind. Oh, yeah. oh. and that's the end of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We're all gonna drink now. <laughs> so, all right, because I'm you know one of those nerds that like to have nerd fights. Uh, Max, I just googled Edward O'Brien, and according to the internet, my friend who's never wrong. Uh, apparently his name has been Edward O'Brien on Brave and the Bold for a while now. And then they say, oh. that they, they specifically say it's Patrick O'Brien everywhere else. But in this continuity, it's Edward O'Brien. Now, see, Shag, I wasn't going to be a dick because I, I was checking this too, but I was going to wait till we were, we were off air to bring it up. But, but I love that you were his, doing the same thing I was. I mean, yes, just but as I'm much not, of a dick. No, because I'm not doing it on air. I'm a dick, I'm a dick behind closed doors. So, do, but, do they have manners I, I, on, on your planet, Chad? <laughs> <laughs> no. Wait a minute. Okay. So I went an extra mile on this because there is not – I could not find an explanation as to why Brave and the Bold 
and the TV show changed it from Edward to Patrick. If I were to guess, there is a rather famous author named Patrick O'Brien, in fact, spelled the same way. Now, he didn't start writing under his own name until the early 50s. Plastic Man had already been around for a while. I would not be shocked if in when they started doing the Brave and the Bold adaptation, they just didn't want to have to worry about getting permission from this guy's estate. Probably yeah. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Even though I, I will say, I think he has been in, I think in JLA action, ugh, you know what, I'm not even going to say it, because I, I haven't watched enough of it to, to say. But I want to say that they have called him, that he is Patrick O'Brien. But I could be wrong. I'm probably wrong. I'm going to shut well, Cut this out. If you're talking about <laughs> Justice League action, it's more important that we say, the heat is on! <laughs> oh, God's sake. Well, I will, I will just say that if, if that's the case, then Brave and Bold is an outlier and wrong. <laughs> because everywhere else, because everywhere else is Patrick, and Max will now never watch an episode of The Brave and the Bold. No, it's dead to me now. <laughs> it's unique and different, but no, it's just wrong. <laughs> Go to a convention and slap Diedrich Bader in the face and say you're wrong. I'm have glad, some strong words with them about what they did for Firestorm, too, please. I'm glad you mentioned Dietrich Bader because we haven't brought him up before. I love him as Batman. I just think he's the perfect, you know, self-serious but slightly self-mocking to, version of Batman. I think he just does such a great job in the, as this character. If, if Kevin Conroy and Adam West had a love child, it'd be Dietrich Bader. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think it's, it's, yes. uh, he's, he's great. He's my second favorite Batman Voice artist only. I'm not counting Adam West because he did Batman's voice as well. But uh, you know, I, Adam West is off onto his own island of Batman, of course. But but he's my second favorite Batman voice. Period of all of all time after Conroy. I uh, it's hard for me to put him over Will Arnett because I really really love the Lego Batman movie, but mm-hmm. he was really true. good. Yeah, true. That's true. Well, do we have anything else we want to say about it before we, we wrap up? I mean, you know, we, I think we all pretty much loved it to one extent or another. I mean, it's just, it's just a whole lot of fun. It's a big geek exercise. And I was, you know, when I when I first heard that they were bringing Brave and the Bold back as a team up with Scooby-Doo, I was a little like, well, can't they just bring Brave and the Bold back? Like, why do we need to do it as a Scooby-Doo movie? But I actually thought they really managed to combine things really well. And, and as Nathaniel mentioned, you know, Scooby-Doo and the gang is really the guest stars. It's really not there. Despite they get top billing, this thing is a Batman Brave and the Bold story. I mean, I'm watching it here, and, like, I'm seeing Dr. Double X in the background and the Ten-Eyed Man, for Pete's sakes. I mean, I, what, is it, <coughs> what is it? Killer Moth, yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> what, is there, what is there really to complain about? Plus, I got a return appearance of Aquaman. I mean, I can't. You know, I, I, I just there's nothing to complain about. I thought this was just really fun. Yeah, I mean, any any animated movie that gets the bat dehydrator in from the '60s movie. Is, oh God, uh, <laughs> I meant to bring that up. Yeah, that was that was awesome. I guess Commodore Schmidlap let him keep it. I guess I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was super fun. Absolutely loved it, and would love to see more of. Uh, I, you know, I'd love to see more of Batman Brave and the Bold stuff, but I also would love to see more of Scooby Doo teaming up with other DC heroes, without a doubt. Please give us more. Yeah, definitely more of this mm-hmm. than Scooby meets Kiss or anything like that. <laughs> I'd like to see them more. Uh, okay, I think that's going to do it, guys. I think we have anything else to say. We're, we all enjoyed it very much. I hope they do another one. I hope they keep the, the this, this franchise going because Brave and the Bold deserves to keep going. I think it ended much too soon, 
And uh, I still watch some old episodes. And I'm like, oh, man, I just love the heck out of the show. So I hope this was a big success. And we all hope that uh, if you haven't seen it, if you're listening out there and you haven't seen it, go get this. You can get it on DVD. You can get it on Blu-ray. You can rent it on iTunes. You can buy it on iTunes. It's totally worth it. It's a lot of fun. So uh, I guess we're going to wrap it up here. Guys, thanks everybody for getting together on this Friday night. That's that's all we have to do. It's a bunch of grown men. Is grown Friday, men. Friday night to get together uh, and talk about Scooby-Doo meets Brave and the Bold Batman. And I want to wrap this up because I am sure that uh, Shag and Jared are going to recreate the final scene of Star Trek 2. Uh, so, <laughs> so. It's actually going to be Star Trek 3 where I kick him in the face. Is what's gonna I, I really need to rethink my life. <laughs> I'm just afraid to say anything because Shag might look it up on the internet and tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> so since all of us since all of us are members of the Fire and Water Podcast Network except for Jared, why don't we give Jared why don't we give Jared the benefit of, of plugging? Where can other people find your stuff, Jared? Oh, you can uh, find my Killer Moth podcast that doesn't <laughs> exist. No, I appreciate that. Um, I, I uh, podcast with Pat Sampson and my brother Jason, my buddy Delvin, over on the Long Box Crusade. You can check that out, uh, longboxcrusade.com or over on iTunes. I'm also on On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast with Van Flexico and on some other podcasts on the White Rocket Entertainment Network with Van. So if you want to hear more of my jibber-jabber, that's where to find me. Very cool. So, guys, thanks, thanks so much. Shag, Chris. Nathaniel, Max, thank you so much for doing it. And the, uh, Zoom, Siskoid, and Ryan, we missed most of you. Uh, so it was, uh, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. And uh, I guess that's just going to wrap it up. So uh, until next week, I guess Fire and Water will be back next week. This is running in the Fire and Water uh, slot on Sunday. So uh, until next week, uh, fan the flame. And jinkies. <laughs> Killer moth, y'all. <laughs> Does he have a catchphrase? (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'll do it. Ride the wave. (laughs) Everyone, please take a seat. Sorry. (gasps) This seat's taken. See what I did there? I'm taking up the exact space of a chair. And how could we forget Plastic Man? A Martian mind wipe would do the trick. As I was about to say, whenever any of us have a particularly baffling mystery, we present it to the group. Speaking of mysteries, it's tradition for new members to pick our next case to solve. Filing cabinet? Isn't that a little old school? It's our unsolved cases file. A drawer for each hero. That would be Plastic Man's. Yeah, I like to build up a bunch and solve them all at once. Jeepers, Batman only has one unsolved case? What a show-off he is. A case even Batman couldn't solve? That's... Not open for discussion. But we wanted to... I am Sir Arthur... Of the Cleveland Yard. You are all under suspicion. Aquaman, what are you? I shall ask the questions here. Where is the body? Aquaman. I know one of you is the guilty party. Aquaman. And I never forget the face. 
Although you seem to have forgotten yours. <laughs> Just so you know, I'm rolling my eyes. Aquaman. <sighs> you can stay. I can? Outright you are. Eureka! All of you, take it easy. And Jared, good luck. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you so much. Can somebody please call me tomorrow to make sure I'm still okay? <laughs> See All right, I'm hanging up. Make on sure you, you have both kidneys before you leave. Okay? <laughs> Whatever money you save by not checking into a hotel, was it worth it? <laughs> <laughs> money, we need more ice.